the teaching ministry of Judah Olorimai, a man called of God to compel consecration, provoke repentance, and inspire worship by the preaching and teaching of God's word and the miraculous demonstration of God's power. God's word is about to hit you as light and strength. Get ready for an encounter with grace. Now in Hebrews chapter 2, I'd like to start the reading from verse 1 and then read till verse maybe 14 thereabouts. That we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels, the phrase the word spoken through angels, meant the law given to Moses by the aid of angels. So it's not talking about angels bringing any personal word. It's just talking about the concept of the law. If the word spoken through angels proves steadfast on every transgression and disobedience, receive the just reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles. Everybody say various miracles. miracles. Say it again, various miracles. Is there anybody here who recently bought a drug worth 4,100 naira? That's 4 1. That's what's the math. 4 1. In medication, 4,100. Anybody in this auditorium like that? 4,100. Okay. Let's keep with it. Alright. And gift of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. For he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels. But one testified in a certain place saying, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. And set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. When that he put all in subjection under, his, under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Verse 10, for it was fitting for him. Everybody say it was fitting. For whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory. So he's talking about God the Father. And then you see the next statement talking about God the Son. To make the captain of their salvation affect true sufferings. Nobody that sanctifies, and those that have been sanctified are all one, are all of one, rather. For which reason is not ashamed to call them brethren. Captain of our salvation, that's the conversation title. Holy Spirit, your word is sent to do us good, deliver us from destructions. Heal our wounds. 
we receive your word and we are transformed we are healed we will never be the same again in Jesus name we pray captain of our salvation now just to give you a background of what we read particularly in verse 10 I'd like you to understand the reason the book of Hebrews was written. We're not sure who exactly wrote the book. I have my own personal perspective to who I think the author is. I think it's the man Paul, just because of some of the things that we said. But this is one book that some people assume may not be written by Apostle Paul. But anyway, the purpose of this book what exactly did the man write it for? This book was written to Jews. Hebrews. The word Hebrews just refers to Jews. However, it was written to Hebrews who were saved. Jews that were Christians. I know that many of us, because our theology is poor, you assume that every Jew is a Christian. If you go to Israel today, and you go there and say, Jesus is Lord. Uh, well, it depends on where you say it. There are still Jews who practice Sabbath day, and many of those Levitical priesthood instructions. So don't assume that Israel, some of you want to go to Israel, really want to go there. Um, understand that from Bible times, of course, the Jews, in fact, did not believe the gospel at first. That's why Paul had to carry the gospel to the Gentiles. But there were a few of them who believed. Hebrews, Jews. So these guys were beginning to get confused because they are Jewish folks who were not saved were telling them that Jesus cannot be the Messiah. The controversy about Jesus was the fact that he was a man. The Jews could not wrap their mind around the fact that the Messiah would be a man. And not just a man, a man who died. And he didn't just die, he died a very shameful, disgraceful death. How do you convince a Jew, an Hebrew, who is used to hearing stories of King David, a warrior who killed Goliath, who as it were never lost the battle. And then we are, we are told by prophecy that the Messiah will come in the lineage of David as the son of David. And then these Hebrew Christians are now saying, that guy that was crucified, naked, beaten the Pope, is the Messiah. It does not make any meaning. This is why you see sometimes in scriptures, for instance, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 23, the Bible says that the crucifixion is a stumbling block to the Jews. They cannot get it. How do you say that our Messiah is the crucified one? And so when Paul preaches the crucifixion and say, this one who was crucified is your Messiah. The average Jew is saying, that's rubbish. How can the Messiah be crucified? In fact, certainly when Jesus spoke about his death, you know, many of his apostles were confused because they also heard about the Messiah and what they heard was that the Messiah will live forever. The Messiah's kingdom will never end. And here is Jesus talking about, I will die. Now, if you are the Messiah, why do you want to die? How does a Messiah die? How does the death of a Messiah profit my life? Messiah, you are supposed to be my savior. You are not supposed to die. You are my destiny helper. 
How can you die? And so many Hebrew Christians were shaking in their feet because their Hebrew brethren, as it were, who were still practitioners of the law of Moses, kept saying, This is not the Messiah. This is not the Messiah. In fact, the argument was that the Messiah was supposed to be greater than angels. The Messiah is greater than angels. And angels don't die. Now, if the Messiah is supposed to be greater than angels, how come this other Messiah has to die? It does not. The Hebrew person cannot wrap his mind around it. Why would the Messiah die? He was supposed to be greater than Moses. And, and Moses lived there 120, and even his body was not found as it was. It seemed as though there was some angelic activity even for the body of Moses. He had to be buried by God himself. And then you are talking about this Jesus Christ that we saw crucified on the tree. The Roman soldiers flogged him shaking. And you say he's our Messiah? Doesn't make any meaning. The foolishness of preaching. The stumbling block to the Jews. Are we still together here? So that's the background of all these conversations we are reading. In Hebrews chapter 1, the writer begins to establish the superiority of Christ over angels. That because Christ is the Son of God, and because Christ is also referred to as God, surely angels who are referred to as servants cannot be compared to the Son who is God. And then when he gets to Hebrews chapter 2, he begins to tell them about the fact that they must take heed concerning the things that Jesus is now saying. Because if the things that Satan said, as it were, angels and Moses and Aaron, was so powerful that if they were disobeyed, it was punishable. How much more this great salvation? And so it gets on to the conversation in verse 10. And then it begins to say a few things that are very, very interesting, which we want to begin to look at closely, one after the other. Kindly put the scripture on the screen, please. Hebrews chapter 2, understand. For it was fitting. Just raise your hand. Raise your hand. In 60 seconds, you can drop it. The Holy Ghost would do what he needs to do. 60 seconds. For it was fitting for him. For whom are all things and by whom are all things. So we're talking about God. Considering what was required. For whom are all things and by whom are all things. In bringing many sons to glory. The purpose was to bring many sons to glory. And then God was figuring out what was going to be required. To bring about many sons to glory. Everybody say many sons. And many of you think that in heaven will be very scanty. Well, the goal is many sons. Everybody say many sons. <laughs> the goal is not few sons. Many. People think that hell will be more populated than heaven. Well, not according to scriptures. The goal is many sons. Everybody say many sons. So, bringing many sons to glory refers fundamentally to salvation. God was figuring out how are we going to get these many sons into glory. And he concluded by saying that the captain of their salvation will be made perfect through suffering. Of course, there is no greater glory than being the child of God, being a son of God, having an intimate relationship with the Father. There is no greater goal than being called the child of God. 
However, this subject matter of glory does not have to wait for heaven. Tell us to sit. He doesn't have to wait for heaven. Because many of you still think that salvation is just about going to heaven. So even in the subject matter of bringing many sons to glory, let's understand that there are experiences that are available on this earth that is captured in that phrase, many sons to glory. And I will begin to unfold them if time permits me. He makes the, the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. I want to examine that phrase, captain of our salvation. That's the main phrase we want to emphasize. But look at it in the old covenant Israel was brought out of Egypt not to perish in the wilderness. The idea is that they came out of Egypt and into the promised land. Are we still together? Come on, are we still together? And you remember it was not the man who brought them out of Egypt that took them into the promised land. It was Moses who brought them out of Egypt. It was Joshua who took them into the promised land. Interestingly, Joshua is better referred to as the captain because he went to war with Israel. Moses never went to war with Israel. His own job was prophetic. And then every time they were fighting, there were a few things he did in prayers or in prophetic actions. At the point in time, he raised his hands. And every time his hands were raised, then Israel won. But Joshua actually went to fight. In fact, in one of those events, he met somebody who is referred to as the angel of the Lord, who some people believe is like a type of Christ. And he asked him, what are you doing here? Are you for us? Are you with us? And that person spoke to him. So, Joshua is the person referred to usually as the captain of the nation of Israel because he brought them in to the promised land. Are we still together? Are we still together? Jesus didn't just bring you out of hell. He brought you into heaven. Everybody say, out of hell. Into heaven. You can't be hanging in the middle, even though you're on earth. That's why the moment you were brought out of hell, you became a citizen of heaven. There's no probation period. Are you listening to me? There's no probation period. Once you become out of hell, you come into heaven. Once your book, your name is out of the books of death, your name is written in the book of life. There's no probation period. First Peter chapter 2, I think it's verse 9 and 10. He brought us out of darkness. Did he leave us there? Into his marvelous light. That's it. That's it. So, the essence of this captain of our salvation uh, conversation is to actually see where Christ has brought us into. And for some of the realities that you are not yet experiencing, that is described as glory, First Peter chapter 1 and verse 11 talks about the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Christ suffered. The captain suffered. And he suffered to the end that we might experience certain glories. It was not just the glory of Christ, but the glory of everyone in the order of Christ. For Christ did not suffer for his own glory. 
It did not come down for his own glory. The whole essence of his coming down and his suffering, his burial, his resurrection was for our glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, in all of this, we see in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10, God had to calculate the wisdom of whether to go to work and consider what was appropriate, required to bring many sons to glory. Because glory is not a small matter. That your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, that's a glorious truth. It's not a small matter. That you have dominion over sin and over Satan, it's not a small matter. That you can use the name of Jesus. You have authority to use his name and demons will flee. That's a big deal. I'm going to have to calculate which one will I use that will really work. So the writer uses a phrase here, but it was fitting. Now when he says it was fitting, it's because of the confusion of the Hebrew. How do you say that it is fitting for Jesus to die? If I ask you, what do you think about killing a Boko Haram criminal? Is it fitting? Many of you will say, yes. It is fitting for Boko Haram to die. Is that not so? I know that some of you are very gentle and you don't want anybody to die. Amen. Amen. If you are like that, it's a good thing. Don't let anybody remove it from your heart. It's good to be compassionate. It was fitting. It is fitting for hardened criminals. So that I was watching a video, very emotional video, yesterday. And um, a man went and killed three ladies. And they brought him to the law court and it was televised. And then the father of one of the girls was to testify, just to say his own part of the story to the judge. And then he turned around as he was testifying and looked at the suspect who actually killed his daughter. And that one had a smirk on his face like... Oh boy, you need to see the rage on the father's face. He ran to him in great rage to punch his face. Like you killed the daughter and you are smiling. In fact, they had to give him a sentence too. Because that was very rude in the law court. But the, the man was so angry. Eventually, the suspect was sentenced to death. And people could say, yes, it was fitting. The judge will say, you're even laughing. You deserve to die. It is fitting for a criminal to die. But this Jesus was not a criminal. How do you say it was fitting for him to die? That's what the writer is trying to explain to the Hebrew Christian whose faith is shaken. How do you say Jesus was perfect, sinless, and yes, it is fitting for him to die? How can it be fitting for a righteous man to die? How can it be fitting for a perfect man to die? How can it be balanced that a man who knew no sin now dies for sin? That's the controversy that the writer is trying to explain. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things. So it's saying for whom are all things and by whom are all things so that you understand that the death of Jesus was not a coincidence. It was a well-worked-out plan by the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. It wasn't the effort of the Roman soldiers. It wasn't because Jesus was tired of life. It was all a well-worked-out plan of the wisdom of God. It was fitted. 
bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect now the word captain is a very interesting word let me ask you this if you hear captain what comes to your mind loud a bit loud a bit a leader okay however in contemporary times are there other usages of that word people are still using phrases that are out of your range like normal normal let's say we are not marking script as a guy if i hear captain i would think of football captain please hello make with the child come down to our level now today i sent we just jesus spoke and taught in simple relatable terms no they are saying with me i see they here and in this context i'm the captain sir. so calm down we'll get there amen so when you hear captain i would think about captain of a sports club i'll think about captain of a ship is that not so those are relatable phrases but of course they all convey the concept of leader but it's a very unique phrase employed, and of course, captain, yes, as a military leader. It's a very unique phrase. In the Greek, uh, it's actually the same word as author and prince used in scripture to speak about Jesus. For instance, in Hebrews chapter 12, when it says Jesus is the author and finisher, it's the same Greek word, captain. Are we still together here? It's Archigos, a chief leader. But it also means a pioneer, that is, a trailblazer, somebody who first began something. Follow this conversation very closely. It will change your life forever. Jesus, as captain, is not just speaking about leader, he's talking about the first. In fact, it's like saying firstborn. Now you open Mama womb. So, captain of our salvation, listen, means first of our salvation. And in a very interesting sense, it means that, as it were, Jesus was the first to be saved. I'll tell you what it means. Hold on. Don't judge me yet. People that are not saved die. Is that not so? Jesus died. People that are not saved go to hell. Is that not so? Jesus went to hell. People that are saved come alive. So the resurrection was like a type of salvation. After death, they come alive. Are we following? People that are saved are brought out of hell into heaven. So Jesus had to taste everything you tasted or you were tasting or you are tasting as the first Captain, the first of its kind. Are you listening to me? Now that's why he had to come the way you are, flesh and blood. He had to. That, that salvation was not going to be obtainable if he stood from a distance. It was not going to be obtainable. So it means first of its kind, trailblazer, but of course, in a more... In a more um, holistic sense, it's trailblazer as somebody who actually makes way for others who are following him. So in the day that Jesus had a victory parade over demons and devils, we were behind him. He led the procession. 
is the captain of our salvation. Hallelujah. First of its kind, trailblazer, leader, pioneer, author, one that takes the lead in anything and does affords an example. Oh dear. Everything God did in Jesus, He does in you too. Including the resurrection. Hallelujah! How do I know that death does not have the final say? Because my captain showed the way already. He died and he rose. I would also rise. I would also rise. The captain shows the way. He's the trailblazer. What happened to him? That's why we were buried with him in baptism. And we rose again with him. Glory to Jesus. Now that's the word captain. But a few other phrases are likely to be familiar with. Or a few other explanations here. Now Jesus as the captain of our salvation means that there is no other way to be saved. When we say that God figured out in his wisdom that according to Hebrews 2 and verse 10 the way to bring many sons into glory and glory refers to salvation is by making the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering it means that nobody can be savior just because they wish they can save just because they want to save when we say that Jesus is the only way to God and Jesus is the only means of salvation, it is because it was only one person that God did this thing to. This perfection through suffering. It was only one person. Oh yes, there was Moses. Oh yes, there was Elijah. Oh yes, there were angels. But none of them was fitting to become captain of our salvation. For several reasons, several reasons. And maybe as time unfolds, we'll begin to know why. But Jesus is the only way of salvation or the only way for salvation because he's the only one who was perfected through sufferings. If I say, I want to save you from your sins, well, I should be thinking about paying for sin. Because I'm not going to save you from your sin just by saying, Oh, you are loved. Oh, you are, you, are, you, are, you, are, you are liked. Oh, I love you so much. That does not save from sin. Amen. I'm not going to save from sin by saying, You this devil, you this devil. Leave her alone. Leave him alone. The only person who could meet the requirements was Jesus. First of all, not just in his death, but in his, in his sinlessness. So as captain of our salvation, it is the, is, is the only means to salvation. As leader of salvation, it means that he leads the way to salvation and we follow that path. Any other way leads to hell. Let me say that again. Any other way, any other captain is taking people to hell. Captain Mohammed, in no straight. Captain Buddha. Hey. The only captain who Sabi road follows Sabi road. The only captain who Sabi the way. 
And uh, you see that it was not just about his eagerness to save. He met the qualification. Are you listening to me? How can a sinful man pay for the sins of man? How can a sinful man pay for the sins of man? How can an angel pay for the sin of man? That's not just. The angels did not meet the qualification. It was not fitting for an angel to die for a sin that a man committed. Are you listening to me? It was not fitting. This is why the Hebrew man had to be taught that it was fitting for Christ. Meaning he met all the requirements. In his sufferings he met all the requirements. Even if an angel who is perfect as it were, sinless as it were, wants to die, he cannot die. So it's still not fitting. So we must have perfection, sinlessness, and then an ability to die, which is a taste of humanity. The humanity of Jesus was the most controversial amongst Hebrew Christians. If he's our Messiah, why did he live amongst us, born in a manger? We know his father and his mother also they thought. But all of that was also part of the wisdom of God. For if he was not a man, he would not meet the requirements of death. So he was God and also man. In God, as sinless, as man, he was able to die. All God and all man. The captain of our salvation. The phrase, he became perfect, please put it back on the screen, Hebrews 2.11, 2.10 rather. The phrase, he became perfect by suffering, does not mean Jesus was deficient. Follow, follow closely. It doesn't mean that Jesus, everybody pray in the Holy Ghost, please pray in the Holy Ghost. Zikete kovara namaste kete koblando kopraste ketestus. Rebebebe stofani kata kata labash. Vile prokopande kete kata sekenestus. Zikete kovara dabaste kete krusta kada bala namash. Lebene kovara dashte kete kush. Rabado kopande kete kobalastus. Le vrosta kata kada baste kene menos le barabalaste kete kobaranos shekete kobrandos tosoro le brakata kada balaste kete balanos vile brandos kete kobaranos kelenos le brakata kada baloste kete balanos. That's who you are. That's who you are. Captain, Captain. Savior, Savior. Captain, Captain. Savior, Savior. Hila, 
Hallelujah. Lift your right hand, Ma. Lift your right hand. The power of God fixes that situation right now. Wraps you up, wraps you up, wraps you up, wraps you up. With great intensity, the anointing of God breaks the yoke, breaks the yoke, brings you into liberty. Brings you into liberty. That's it, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. That's it. It gets stronger. It gets stronger. It gets stronger. It gets stronger. And so that situation is fixed by the hand of the Lord. It's fixed. Yes, the correction is made. The correction is made. The correction is made. The adjustment is made. And so you are whole. And so you are whole. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. I was trying to explain Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10. So when you hear the phrase, in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering, they're wondering, oh, perfect? Was Jesus imperfect? Well, the word used here, perfect, in the Greek, does not su- suggest Jesus was not perfect. What it actually means was, or what it actually means is, fulfilled or achieve a goal. It's the same Greek word in John chapter 4 when Jesus says that my meat is to do the work of him that has sent me and to finish his work. That's 4.24. So that word finish his work is the same phrase employed here as perfect. Are we still together? And so it's talking about Jesus fulfilling the work of bringing sons to glory is not saying that Jesus was deficient in the moral sense. No. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. But by suffering, especially the suffering of death, that perfect sacrifice was now offered to be able to achieve the goal of bringing many sons to glory. Do you get that now? There's no deficiency in Jesus. It's the perfect sacrifice. So when he says that he made the captain of the salvation perfect through suffering. It does not mean suffering made Jesus complete. It meant that suffering provided a vehicle for Jesus to fulfill the goal of bringing sons into glory. Is that clear? Okay. Just explaining the text so you can appreciate the author's intention. So, captain of our salvation, no other way to be saved. Captain of our salvation. The word captain in military terms refers to a military leader who fights amongst the people. There are military leaders who fight in safe environment. They stay in their cocoon of security and give orders to junior soldiers. Are we still together? Follow closely. So appreciate the phrase, captain of our salvation. You must co- consider why the author used the word captain and not general of our salvation. Lieutenant of our salvation. The phrase captain speaks about a military leader who actually goes to battle alongside his soldiers. A group of 10, a group of 50, a group of 100. So it speaks about the proximity that Jesus had to have with us to achieve salvation. We were in a very low position, and to get us out, he couldn't just stay from afar and say, Come out. He had to come low too. That's why he descended from heaven. Hallelujah. 
came low, stretched his hands towards us, carried us out of the pit. That's why he's captain, not general. Do you get it now? A captain is amongst his soldiers. He's not the one that stays from afar and be giving instruction. The captain actually, if he takes his army, his soldiers to war, they go to a battle together. So, he's telling you that to achieve salvation, just to portray some of the things I've been saying, Jesus certainly had to become a man. That was his proximity. That was how close he had to get to reach out. An angel could not do it. I mention an angel because you must understand fundamentally those three forces Moses, angels, and Aaron was the big or was the major um, issue that distracted the Hebrew Christians from accepting the truth that Jesus was enough. So, in subsequent chapters, you see the writer of Hebrews trying to show the superiority of Jesus over Aaron and the Levitical priesthood. Over Moses, he called Moses a servant and called Jesus the owner of the house. And over angels. Glory to Jesus. So, it was fitting that he became a man because that was the only way he could be our captain. Now, let's, let's progress here. Let's progress here. Let's progress here. So the sufferings of Christ was payment indeed, but I'd like you to see it as a suffering executed as a substitute, substitutional suffering. So we read in Isaiah chapter 53, and I'd like to just stretch the conversation of salvation here. For those of us who are already saved, we must understand salvation beyond eternal life, going to heaven, escape from hell. Salvation also refers to bodily healing. Bodily healing. In fact, in fact, okay, many times you see salvation in Jewish history, in the old covenant, many times it also included the idea of protection, the idea of provision, the idea of preservation. Are we still together? So for a Christian, you cannot just think about captain of our salvation, just going to heaven. Jesus is carrying us to heaven. <laughs> that limits the concept. It also refers to healings in our body. It refers to provision. It refers to protection from danger. Captain of our salvation. I was saying in Isaiah 53, you see that the writer Isaiah speaks about Jesus and tells us that he was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by whose stripes we are healed. The Bible says that it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Once again, explaining the concept of it was fitting. We thought. He was beaten and bruised and killed, as it were, for his own sins and blasphemy. And that refers to the people of the Jews in the days when Jesus was crucified. They wrote on his head a sign, this is the king of the Jews. And when people ask why was he killed, they say he blasphemed. That's what they thought. But 
it was a substitutionary suffering. This is why the idea of captain of our salvation in the sense that Jesus came and suffered for us is very crucial. For instance, in the salvation that brings physical healing, it was not going to happen without the suffering of being beaten with stripes. It was fitting. All the suffering that was put upon Jesus was so that we might be saved. We might be healed. We might be whole. And so if he couldn't suffer, we were doomed. Are you listening to me? It was some... See, the sin problem, the sickness problem, could not be dealt with just by... God just being merciful. We have taught you forbearance. God being forbearing. Just overlook it. Somebody had to carry it. Somebody must carry that sin. And so God needed somebody who could suffer. The angels could not suffer. They are mighty in strength. That's why Jesus was made a little lower than the angels. For the sufferings of death. That he, by the grace of God, might taste death for every man. Hallelujah. If we have a Jesus that cannot suffer. We are in trouble. But we are, we are not. They're just gone. With the house for hell. Because the, the wrath of God had to be poured upon a man or upon a sacrifice. A terrible wrath of suffering. To pay, to atone. So he came as a man amongst us. He came like us, flesh and blood. Just so that he can have the capacity to suffer. And you may be wondering, why should a Messiah? Why? That's, that's what the Jews were thinking. Why should our Messiah suffer our suffering? He's our Messiah. They have been used to rulership and lordship and kingship that does not fill the infirmity of the people. Even though the writer began to tell them to Aaron, that a priest must be taken from amongst men. So that he will have compassion. For if he's not taken from amongst men, how can he have compassion? So the, the, the wisdom that was deployed to achieve salvation wasn't a careless wisdom, it wasn't an ordinary wisdom. God had to calculate all the requirements. Jesus was the only one who met it. We needed a suffering servant, a suffering sacrifice. Yet, a sinless, suffering sacrifice. And it was only Jesus. It was fitting. Everybody say it was fitting. Let me progress here because of time. Jesus, as our captain, we said, is a pattern to be imitated. And I want to just touch this very briefly because... I said that the concept of salvation should not be limited to heaven. Bringing many sons into glory. We can live as glorious people on the earth. But Jesus is the pattern. He is the pioneer of glory. Everybody say glory. glory. He showed us how glory is attained. He showed us. And so, by imitating Christ... We acknowledge him as the captain of our salvation. In other words, the pattern to be followed. 
three things I want to mention here in the imitation of Christ. First is that although Jesus was human, he did not sin. Now, when we say Jesus did not sin, it does not mean that he could not sin. I taught you in the last Easter service that the body that Jesus had when he was born from Mary's womb is not the body that me and you have now. What he had was the same body that Adam had. Follow me closely. Are we still together? There are many controversies about the subject matter of original sin. And it's been an age-long controversy. When I say original sin, what some of you refer to as the sin of Adam making all mankind sinners. Remember that statement? Or you know that theology? It's what is called original sin. And there are many controversies. Some will believe that it is not the sin of Adam that brought mankind to a state of sin. But actually, I believe it is. And there are many reasons. Once you are born of a woman being, you are born under Adam. That's why except a man be born again. So it is natural birth that qualifies you to be a sinner. Once you are born, sinner. Why? Adam was not just a man, he was a representative. I know because Adam sinned, yet all creation was broken. The animals began to suffer. Their appetite was altered. Nature was altered. Adam sinned because he was a representative of the universe. It was not just Adam. And then everybody in his loins who was going to be born by physical lineage was also a sinner. Do you understand that now? So I believe that that's why Jesus could not be born from a physical lineage because it would make him a sinner already. Sinner by nature. However, it does not mean that just because Jesus was born supernaturally by the activity of the Holy Ghost, it does not mean that he could not sin. He was like Adam. Adam was also born innocent. By in his birth, well, Adam was not born, but he was created innocent. Are we together? Come on, are we together? Adam was created innocent. But yet, subsequently, when he was tempted, he sinned. Is that not so? So just because we say that Jesus did not sin, it does not mean he could not sin. I mean, even angels can sin. The Bible speaks about them in Jude. Fallen angels, sinful angels. But we see the captain of our salvation showing the way of dominion over sin. In, in Matthew chapter 4, you see him resisting the temptation that Satan brought with the word of God. Now that is a pattern on how to resist sin, how to overcome sin. You resist, you overcome by the word. Jesus quoted the scriptures. What are you quoting? Ask your neighbor, what are you quoting? To overcome sin, Jesus quoted the scriptures. The scripture was the shield of Christ. I said, what? Captain of our salvation. He showed you the way to overcome sin. Learn from him. Captain of our salvation. Number two, he did mighty works by the Holy Spirit. Learn from him. The mighty works of Jesus was not just because he was born of God. 
He was endued with power, as it were. Man of the Holy Ghost, according to Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. And you shall receive power, or rather, how God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Ghost and power, Acts 10 38, who went about doing good, healing all that we oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. This is a glorious life. How many of you agree? So go about healing the sick. So go about doing good. That's glory. So in bringing many sons to glory, another earthly implication are the supernatural works of Jesus. And how did Jesus get it done? By the Holy Ghost. By the Holy Ghost. He showed the way. This is the way to glory. Say this after me. I will be like Jesus. When I grow up. I say grow up. Tell your neighbor, grow up. The intention is not just to get you out of hell. It's to bring many sons to glory. Grow up. Jesus showed you the way. By the anointing of the Holy Spirit, a fellowship with the Spirit, your ministering to the Spirit, your acquaintance with the Spirit, is what produces glorious results. That's the way Jesus showed it. If Jesus had to depend on the Holy Ghost, who will you be? He would also have to depend on the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Everybody say glory. And then, Jesus was the captain of our salvation. As the pattern to be imitated, we have learned how we conquered sin. We have learned how we did the mighty works, supernatural living by the power of the Spirit. We also learned that the way of glory is to deny yourself as a soldier. This is the path to glory. Deny yourself. Selfish seeking, self seeking, selfish agendas is not the way to glory. How did Jesus attain glory? Not just for himself, but for others. He humbled himself. He became obedient to the death of the cross. Self-denial. Self-denial. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3 thereabouts. Endure hardness as a good soldier. Whoever is a soldier does not entangle himself with the affairs of this life. That in my place is commanding officer. The way of glory as a soldier is the cross. And by the cross, I mean self-denial. Jesus didn't please himself. He didn't do what he liked. If you keep practicing, I'll do what I like version of Christianity. You will not experience certain dimensions of glory. Because in bringing many sons to glory, he showed the pattern. One of the sufferings of Christ is the suffering of self-denial. I lay down my life. No one takes it from me. Because of the kind of body Jesus had, he could not die. I taught you that in Easter, but maybe I didn't explain. Jesus could not die. Many times they would try to come and catch him. He could not die. The only way that he could die was when sin was upon him. Because the wages of sin is death. So he had to lay down his life and accept that activity which many of you did not see. Where God put our sins on him. That was when he was now able to die. If Jesus had gone to that cross eh, and God did not put sin on him, he would die. He would be dead. He would die. Death cannot touch that body that Adam had. Adam too could not die until sin entered. Do you understand now? And that was the same body that Jesus had. So, actually, what killed Jesus was not the Roman soldiers. It was our sin. So, his death was a proof that our sin is no longer in us. 
He's been put on Jesus. That's why he died. Hallelujah. So, what was I saying? Deny yourself. Glory. If you are going to have a glorious Christian experience, there will be many self-denials. This is the path. The captain leads the way. He shows us the path to glorious Christianity. Come on, our Christianity should be glorious. I don't just want to go to heaven. Some of you are just thinking, if I just see boys quarter inside heaven, I don't happy. No. No. I must be like Jesus when I grow up. There must be glory around me. But it is true self-denial. <laughs> it's true self-denial. Let me tie this up here. I'm just saying one last thing here. As Jesus, our captain, our leader in battle. Jesus, our captain, our leader in battle. The implications of that very quickly here. First thing I want to say here is that because Jesus is our captain, our leader in battle, he initiated salvation and he will also defend it. Listen to me, your salvation was initiated by Jesus and he is the captain of your salvation. Listen to me, your salvation is something that Jesus initiated and is something that Jesus will always actively defend. You are not a sheep without shepherd. You've got security over you. Lose the fear of death. Lose the fear of hell. There is a captain over your life. Everybody say, I have a captain. Oh. <laughs> I have a captain. I didn't go to battle with my own weapons. I have a captain. An immortal captain. An undefeated captain. A glorious palm captain. I have a captain. I don't know if you... Have you ever imagined... The days of David, I would have loved to be a, a, a soldier under David. Imagine having David as your captain. Ah, he goes sweet, oh, he goes sweet. Oh. Anybody will bring here, compare. We go show you say for this place, we don't lose battle. Whether you be Goliath, you get six finger, I be seven seven toe. You know, consign me. The soldiers under David were bullishly confident. And bring it on. Our captain is David. How much more when your captain is Jesus? Come on. How much more? What are you afraid of? Just, just imagine. Italians came and threatening David. Because eh, the, the soldiers of David say, they not tell this one. They, they not tell him. Oh. Go hire your burial clothes. Go hire now. Well, yeah, we know they lose. Our track record is perfect. Oh, come on. The son of David has a better track record. Jesus, your captain, has a flawless track record. Is your defense. Lose the fear of hell. Lose the fear of death. Lose the fear of demons. It's not necessary. It's a waste of energy. You have a captain. Say it again. I have a captain. As a footballer, I know what it is to have a captain as reliable. If you're a Manchester United fan and you see Bruno Fernandes, you know anything can happen. This one is a big ball, it's a big work. 
if if someone like some man you fans are manifesting here, if you watch my games, very dangerous. If anybody does anything against a Manchester United player, for instance, look short. Somebody comes and slides book short and the referee no blow. The way we Bruno go through that referee talk. Oh boy. The guy is captain who is something else. He go through that and talk and say, guy, do your work. What's your problem? You know see the foul? What did they do? Did they try me up? You go through the referee talk. Bruno, captain. You don't get to threaten his players in his presence. How much more Jesus? What is threatening you? You have a captain. You have a captain. You are not alone. You have a captain. A defender of your faith. A shield of your salvation. You are not alone. Everybody say, I have a captain. There are captains that even refuse to fear them. One day, I was watching the game. Lionel Messi. There was a foul. Everybody said it was a goal kick. Lionel Messi took the ball and put it on the penalty spot. I told the referee, I took the penalty. I said, ah. Guys, I mean you be player. I mean you be you be coach. I mean you be referee. And told you the referee well, I'm mumu. To be a, and he came back and said, Ah! Of course, he's one of the greatest, if not the greatest. So when the referee see him, he goes, Sorry, apologies to Roro fans. Some ladies are looking at me. I'll be speaking in tongues. No, it's just football terminology. <laughs> Some captains carry weight. Oh, he uh, get. I, I was. There was a game with a coach asked a footballer. His name was Kepa, the costliest goalkeeper in the world, to leave the pitch. They were about to play penalty. Then the coach said, "Oh yeah, come on, make me put another keeper if he catch penalty." Kepa said, "I not go come out." And for seven minutes, the coach. And Kepa, we argue. I told myself, this team does not have a captain. In the days of John Terry, now like this, they go hold your neck. Say, Coach, seven, you come on, you go, come on, forget! We are orderly here. In the days of Frank Lampard as, as captain of that team, you know, you are, you are disorderly. You are, you are. He gets some captains, when we say, they go tell Coach, and like this, we go play him. Amen. The coach will say, okay, now you risk it, folk. <laughs> Hallelujah! Say, I have a captain! Captain, where can you wait? <laughs> where can you wait? I have a captain. He initiated salvation. He's the author. He's the trailblazer. He's the first to experience it. He leads the way. So you are safe. Parabale, you are safe. Parabale. As captain, leader in battle, we will end up where he ends up. Oh, hallelujah. There's no worry for the future. He leads the procession. Wherever he ends up, I will end up. He ended up in resurrection and ascension at the return of the Father. I'm going there too. I'm going there too. So we are sitting with him. Far above principalities and powers. The captain leads the way. We will end up where he ended up. The destination of the captain and the soldiers are the same. As long as you are following. It's the same. Same destination. Same destination. Forget about the fear of the future. Jesus has gone ahead of you. 
author and finisher of your faith. Author and finisher of your faith. He has gone ahead of you. He has prepared the way. He looked at the apostles and told them, I go to make a mansion for you. In other words, where I am going, you will eventually come. Everything that has happened to me, even though they will kill you and you will be Matthias, everything that has happened to me will happen to you. This same glorification will be your portion. Just follow. Just follow. That's why the apostles were so bold. They saw it happen to Jesus. He was ridiculed, they were ridiculed. He was persecuted, they were persecuted. He was killed, they were killed. It did not touch them at all. The end of the captain is the end of the soldier. Say this after me, my end is his end. His end is my end, rather. His end is my end. A glorified, you see, he says that both he that sanctifies and those that are sanctified are of one. Oh yeah. He became like me so that I will become like him. Captain of our salvation. Another implication here. He is captain to encourage us when we are down. The battle can be fierce, tough, but we have a captain. We have a captain. You see that among sportsmen a lot. You see the captain. Jerry of the boys. Come on, we can do it. Come on, you gunners. Come on, you reds. Come on, you blues. Which other one? Gunner, red, blue. Make the team go around. Come on, you citizens. Jesus is our first cheerleader. As captain of our salvation, he knows sometimes the battle is fierce, but he leads the way and he encourages us. He encourages us. Oh, what great blessing when you have a captain like Jesus who knows how to encourage. One of the reasons he knows how to encourage is because he, he feels exactly how you are feeling. He has felt it before. Compassionate high priest. He knows how tough it has been for you. He knows. He can relate with your pain. He can. He can. He can. One last point here, which I want to narrow into here. As captain of our salvation, he gives the commands. He gives the commands. This is very crucial, especially in experiencing salvation that is earthly, including healings, protection, provision, and any other dimension of salvation. Pray in the Holy Ghost before we enter this point. Just pray, pray, pray. The captain is here with us. He's not far from us. He's here with us. We feel his touch. We see his works. Jesus you are captain. You lead the way, Krando Kobadalabanish. Hallelujah. As captain, he gives the commands. 
we take orders from him. This is very crucial. Very crucial. In John chapter 5 and verse 6 to 11, there is a story of Jesus healing a particular man. He had been there for a long time. The Bible says Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time. He said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man said, I have no man to put me into the pool. Verse 8, please. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And the writer explains to you the importance of that walk. It was not an ordinary walk. It was a law-breaking walk. It was a criminal walk. Why? Because on that day was the Sabbath. Because in those days, you were not supposed to walk. Pick up your bed was walk. That day was the Sabbath. Verse 10. The Jews therefore said to him, who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. Look at the statement in verse 11. He answered them, He who made me well, said to me, Take up your bed. The person who saves you is the one who has the right to command you. Are you listening to me? And, and the issue is that many of us have gotten to the point of salvation, but we have stopped receiving commands from Jesus. Now you are saved, you the big boy. That's why the other measures of glory are lacking. The person who saves you is the one who has the right to say, Dude, even if it means breaking a law, if he says break a law, well, he saved me. <laughs> they smuggle Bible in China, Christians. They are breaking laws. The law of China says you must not bring Bible to this country. But the one who died for us told us to bring the Bible. Who you be, president of China? Who you be? You didn't die for me. You didn't save me. My Savior has the right to command me. That's what the man was saying. He said, you made me well. You, you are just criticizing me. You didn't make me well. Say now, Sabbath, I go chop. <laughs> you tell me, say Sabbath, Sabbath. Say now, Sabbath, I don't know, 38 years, you don't know, help me. But you can't help me. You say, no, I know, Obia. Forget. I go, Obia. Every time you say, I can slap you, I go slap you. The person who saved me commands my destiny. Are you listening to me? You have a captain. Don't live your life as though there's no leadership over you. Come on. You were bought with a price. John chapter 2. Interestingly, this same principle is taught throughout scripture. And every time you see the intervention of Jesus, it often comes with a command. You see him act as captain. If you say, yes sir, and you line up your life, you will see salvation. You will see salvation. John chapter 2, wedding at Canaan, verse 5, particularly the emphasis Jesus said, I'm not in the mood for this. Don't disturb me. It's not my time. The mother told his apostles, whatever he tells you to do. That's why the song says, whatever he says, I will do. That's what I will do. Now, you cannot experience the blessings and the glory of his proclamations if you don't learn to submit yourself to his commands. 
Submitting yourself to his commands is a solical training. It's a soulish training. It teaches your heart to revere his word. It teaches your life to respond to his word. The man who despises the commandments of Jesus is training his body, training his future, training his destiny to also despise the proclamations of Jesus. So even if Jesus says, be blessed, you are blessed, because by disobedience and rebellion, his life has been trained to reject the commandments of God. In the day when Jesus pronounces a blessing over him, it will not work. Matthew chapter 8, a man was approaching Jesus, his servant was sick. And then Jesus was going to come to his house to heal his servant. He said, Well, that's unnecessary. I'm a man under authority. In other words, I am like a soldier who has a captain. Matthew chapter 8, verse 9. He says he is under authority. He also has soldiers under him. So, he is also a captain in a sense. He understands how this captain thing works. He understands that it is a function of words. As a captain, he says to one, come. And they come. He says to another, go. And they go. And so he said, Jesus, you are a senior captain. I know how it works now. I tell my soldiers, come. They come. You, just talk. You don't come tomorrow. Just speak the word only. And Jesus says, wow. I'm very impressed. This man has faith. I have not even seen that kind of faith in all Israel. He understood the working principles of captainship. Yeah. Your captain is powerful. Your captain is potent. However, what have you been doing with his commands? What have you been doing with his commands? And so, this is very crucial because... Many of the things we are trusting God to fix in our lives, healing in our bodies, provisions in our bands, all the salvation element is going to be met by the word of the captain. Everybody said the word of the captain. And so your attitude, your previous attitude, your present attitude to the word of the captain will determine if you will experience his salvation. Psalm 107 and verse 20. He sent his word, his word healed them and delivered them from destruction. By the word. That's how he brings the salvation of healing. So you can be reading through a portion of scriptures and you see a promise of healing and you claim it. And if you have been training yourself, your body to respond, to move quickly to the word of God. As soon as you begin to claim that promise, your body has been trained. It begins to move. I've been trained. The fundamental place to begin with is your Bible. What do you do when you read the scripture? Do you read to practice or you read to just say, Moshati Kabibeli? Motishe, devotion of me. That way they talk in the Bible, make you face reality. Now, if that's what you have been doing to the commands of the captain, you are cheating yourself like that. There will be very little glory. The preaching of the word. What do you do when you hear the word? The soldier pays attention to the words of the captain because it's a matter of life and death. Oh yeah. You miss the instruction, everybody can collapse. Captain says, let's go like this. We have to hear well and, and execute it well. How do you respond to the preaching of the word? It determines the measure of glory. 
captain of our salvation, bringing many sons to glory, but the way he does it is by commands. He speaks. How will we be risen from the dead? Jesus will speak at the voice of the Son of God. All those that are dead will rise up. It is his words. It is his words. So, if you have not been paying attention to his words, you have to begin to adjust. Okay? His words are everything. It is by his word. How did you get saved? You believe his words. The hearing of faith. You heard the gospel. Then you experience salvation. The same way. How do you receive healing? You hear his words. You believe his words. You train your mind and your body to respond to his word. Yeah. How do you receive protection? You hear his word. You receive his word. You believe his word. Every dimension of salvation by the captain comes from a proceeding word. He sent his word. He's sending his word. Are you listening? Are you hearing? Are you paying attention? That's how we administer salvation. Oh, glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Stand to your feet, pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm done teaching here. Let's pray for two, three minutes before we sing that song again. Come and pray here. Come and pray here. Come and pray here. Shikete kada balada dastas. Rebene kobadas te krekete kobara rasta kada balas. Come and pray. I beg you, pray here. Pray here. Pray loud. Out loud. Out loud. Shikete kada rabada dabas. Pray like a soldier. Pray like a soldier. Rekete kada rabada te krekete kobala dabas. Mekete kada dada badas te kobara nanamas. Librando kobade kete 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 kata yala balos. We trust that you've been blessed by this teaching. We look forward to receiving your testimonies, prayer requests, and feedback. You can send us a mail at judamaye at yahoo.com. That is J U D A H M A Y E. At come. Till next time, remain in the consciousness of God's word and power. Thank you.